We had a very nice Thanksgiving dinner on Sunday, and I've been thinking a lot about gratitude. I want to thank all the candidates who agreed to be open and vulnerable in these conversations. I want to thank all the people who listened, shared, and talked about the podcast. I want to especially thank Nelson Becker from What's On Weekly and Kiss Wiley from Ecocentric Show, who've been helping spread the word about the podcast. And finally, I want to thank my wonderful friend, Mish Sandanis, who took care of my kids so I could work on the podcast over the weekend. Thank you. My guest today is Ainsley Hastings, who is running for city council. Ainsley was born in Nelson and has extensive background in grassroots social activism. She is running to help the renters community to find affordable homes in Nelson. Let's get to know her. Hi, Ainsley. I know you're a little bit private person. How is it for you to be interviewed? I'm, I'm trying to overcome my fear of being interviewed and speaking publicly. I, I used to actually have a radio show on Kootenai Co. I was very comfortable on, on your end of the thing. In control, whereas I find being interviewed is, kind of puts you in a very vulnerable place. Right. So um, this is all a learning experience. <laughs> yeah. What show did you have? Um, it, it was called um, Radio Free Nelson, and it was actually to help give young people in a platform to talk about local politics and the things that mm-hmm. concerned us. So it was, it was me and a, a group of, I think there was four of us total, young women. Amazing. So you were involved with local politics in a different form before you decided to run for city council. Yeah, since I was a teenager, I used to be a protester. I've always sort of chosen jobs as well that kind of align with my political values and my the ways in which I want to contribute to the world. So running for council is just kind of a the next step that felt like it could actually really put all of my passion and ideas um, and concerns into like funneled into a place that could be really productive. Yeah. So protest ag- against logging or what kind of protest? Um, I've participated in solidarity uh, work with the Wet'suwet'en and uh, so no pipelines, no tankers. And in my youth, I actually traveled to Miami, Florida. Um, this was in 2003 uh, to protest the free trade area of the Americas which was um, basically in support of fair trade and fair labor. Um, but it was also during the time of the Iraq war. So it was a very intersectional demonstration that was addressing a lot of problems that were going on in the world at the time, which I think we're still dealing with today. Um, but yeah, I was, I was there as a sort of as a grassroots media person because it was during the time that I was involved in the co-op radio show. Um, but I was also a radical cheerleader and I was there with my girlfriend, Leela, and we actually both got um, beaten by militarized riot police in Miami. She was arrested and put in the Miami-Dade prison. And then I camped outside of the prison for um, just under a week waiting for her to be released. So, th- yeah. <laughs> what did she do to be arrested? What was her terrible crime? Her terrible crime was that uh, the city of Miami had put through a bylaw uh, that you could be arrested without cause um, just because they were targeting demonstrators. Oh, arresting people for protesting without a cause. That's a slippery slope for democracy. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think that's uh, a huge problem. Yeah, I'm, I'm of the mindset of, I don't want to use the term defund the police because I think a lot of people, like I think when we speak in sort of cliches or buzzwords, it's very, it leaves it open to be misinterpreted. Um, I think that a restructuring of our police 
system needs to be done, especially since it was founded uh, with the purpose of colonialism in mind and keeping anyone who steps out of line of, of the capitalist system in place. So I stand with anyone who protests and um, puts their body on the line to protect old growth forests and watersheds 100%. Um, and I don't think that protecting our environment is worthy of arrest in any way, shape or form. Yeah. But members of industry and resource extraction companies would say differently. And then I also understand the perspective of being working class and that your livelihood is on the line. But I think that the way that we see the earth as something to take from and consume without putting back is a problem. And the old way of doing things just doesn't work anymore. And we don't have enough time to even really debate these things. It's we've seen We've seen the wildfires, we've seen floods, droughts, all the things that are happening around us, and we need to do something different. The way that we're doing things isn't working. And I think the people that are throwing demonstrators in jail for standing up for these things are hanging on desperately to that old world and that old way of doing things. And it's time yeah. to just throw that, throw those ideas out and move on to the next solution. Yeah. I hear the urgency in what you're saying. <laughs> Do you feel that? Like, is it something you live with? Like this feeling of doom or what is it? <laughs> <laughs> um, I try not to live with a feeling of doom and gloom, but I do. It, it does come up and I, I, I can't really help it sometimes. I, I feel like we were really fortunate this year. We had, we had some bad wildfires, but it wasn't nearly as bad as it was last year. Um, Last yeah. year, I was actually very overcome with anxiety and depression during that whole summer period where you couldn't breathe the air. There was ash, literally. You could taste it in your mouth. Yeah. It's hard not to have that kind of um, fill you with a sense of hopelessness, which I think is just where that urgency comes from, is, is recognizing that the time is now. And there's very little room for debate. We kind of all have to be on a uniform front to face the world in which we live now and, and the way in which it's changing. And a big part of that is connecting as a community and, and working together to find solutions that work for everyone um, that we can implement on a daily basis. I agree. And, and at the same time, I feel like we know that we're not on the same page with everyone. <laughs> mm hmm. So uh, what is your thinking about how to bring people that are not in the same page and still in the old ways of living to bring them to the table, to bring them to conversation? I think just being able to recognize all of our own individual humanity at all times and that, you know, there are no real villains in, in this situation. It's everyone's just a human being who's trying to put food on their table and trying to get by. Unfortunately, some of us make more of a negative impact with our choices than others. Um, and I think that just being able to communicate without judgment um, is, is a huge part of that, to be able to, uh, like there was a time in my youth where I was just very angry and I would just scream and yell about all the problems in the world at all times. And, and I was so convinced of my rightness in that. Um, And now I just, I kind of, I, I can 
put myself in in the shoes of I think many different people that come from all different places and and sort of recognize that uh, we're all just doing our best, but that we also need to be accountable and responsible for the actions that we take that affect other people's lives and our ability to continue to live on this earth. There are the people that are working in the industries, making a living to feed their families, and there are the people who get ripped from all that fun, the stakeholders that run the big corporation. Do you put them in the same category? Do you feel for them too? Honestly, the term stakeholder isn't even really in my vocabulary. I, I just think that capitalism is deeply flawed, and I don't have the answers to an alternative, but I just know... I know what isn't working and I know I have some ideas about things that we could do that would work better, that would be less disastrous yeah. for the planet. And a lot of this is also like out of the hands of city council. I mean, I will always stand in solidarity with anything that is about re-envisioning the system that we live in and, the, and ways in which we can make it more healthy and sustainable for everyone. What are the strengths you bring to the job now? One of my strengths, the fact that I'm, I'm a young woman, uh, I'm a renter. The problems that I see in my community are problems that have affected me as well, personally, directly, and members of my family and people that I love. Um, so the things that I want to see happen in town that, that aren't happening now or need more work are things that um, are like deeply personal to me. And matter to me on a level that I just want people to feel and I think people that I've met and talked to know this that I'm like a, I'm a very approachable person I'm very down to earth I want to hear everyone out and give a voice to people that maybe wouldn't necessarily see themselves represented at the council table I don't by any means think that I would be representing anyone or everyone that isn't represented but I I do represent the A small or you know a significant demographic of people in town that are renters that are having a really hard time finding secure housing um, and I think that it's important to have people speak up from a place of experience on that issue please share this podcast on social media and messaging apps this selection will influence how much taxes we pay and what they're used for it will determine how we deal with the housing crisis environmental emergencies and support lower-income families and The link is nelson2022.ca. Please share it now and come back for the rest of the conversation. What can you say about the renters' community? What kind of people come to live here? All kinds of people. I mean, all kinds of people and from all different class status as well. I know of people who are doctors and lawyers who can't afford to live here or can't afford to buy homes here. So it's clearly a widespread problem. There are... houseless members of our community who are living on the streets um, for a place that is promoted and touted as being this beautiful idyllic utopian society that we shouldn't have anyone that's sleeping on the street um, we have some incredible uh, new housing developments that were partnered with Nelson cares and BC housing and that council helps push through and those are fantastic we just need more artists people who who You know, Nelson is known as an arts and culture town, and yet many artists can't afford to live here. So we're going to lose that inevitably. If artists can't afford to live here and create art, then we won't have arts and culture. Yeah. So I think that um, 
right now the town is very geared towards tourism. And I think that we need a more holistic approach to, you know, if we have happy, healthy members of the community who have secure housing and can live here and thrive, then that will draw tourism to us. We won't even have to do anything. People want to visit places where people are doing well. I don't think they want to see people struggling and suffering or have people that are living here who are trying to find housing resentful of those that come here to ski or come here seasonally that are taking up the limited housing that we have. I don't think it should be a competition. I think that there's room for everyone and that we just need to keep talking about that because I think there is sort of a misconception that the units that we got now are enough and that that problem is solved and it's not. I moved back during the pandemic because I was rent evicted from my apartment in Vancouver. Um, I was born and raised in Nelson, but I just came back in October 2020. And it, I just found secure housing on August 1st and I still have boxes that I haven't unpacked. I spent two years searching for a home here um, and it was, it was a real struggle. What is secure housing for a renter? Well, <laughs> I don't think as a renter it's ever really secure, okay. um, but, but I got a two-year lease and, okay. and my landlords are fantastic people. They're a young couple. Okay. It's their first home and we have a really great communication between them and I and the fact that I have a two-year lease makes me feel secure. Okay. <laughs> Com- compared to how it was before, I rented a place in town on Stanley Street that was less than 100 square feet. I think it was probably maybe 50 square feet and it was $800 a month and there was mold and mushrooms growing out of the walls. Oh no. And I took it because that was literally the only the only option. There was there were no other available rentals within my budget and so I was willing to pay that for questionable just a roof over my head. Right. And um, yeah. yeah, so that was that was insecure housing. And yes. then I mean, I, I was also like I was very fortunate and I'm very fortunate to have immediate family members here uh, without whom I would have very easily been houseless. Um, I kind of came back thinking, oh, it's my hometown. Like I'm protected because I'm from there and I should be able to find housing. No problem. And I have a support system. But without those few members of my family that gave me a place to sleep, despite the fact that I was working full-time, sometimes two jobs, up to 60 hours a week, making a living wage, I still would have very easily been on the street without those family members. It's very bad here. It's really hard. Yeah. Yeah. What, what are some of your ideas about that? What can be done differently? And it's not happening just in Nelson. No, it's, it's, wide, it's widespread. Um, But I think that it's important to focus locally and not get overwhelmed by the state of the world, which is something I, I definitely, um, I feel overwhelmed often by the state of the world. But I think that the best way to channel those frustrations and fears is into local politics and into local solutions and, and small scale solutions that you can see right before your eyes happening. And um, in that regard, more housing, more affordable housing buildings um, need to be continued to be built here. And then Jesse Pinero also, I, I quoted him in the Nelson Star article, but I'll just say again that I think he has a really great idea, the incentive to give property owners a tax break or some kind of, some kind of monetary compensation to encourage them to rent long-term rather than turning their available suites into Airbnbs. I also think that Given that we promote ourselves as a ski town and, and that we have these incredible 
bald face, retallic, whitewater, outdoor recreational attractions here that we also need to have more short-term housing available for those people that want to come in and live here seasonally. Um, so if that takes the form of more hostels or just short-term housing, some kind of unit or building that suits those needs, then there would again be more space for everyone and less competition between long-term residents and tourists. I like it, finding a win-win solution for the renters and the tourists and not either or. How do you feel being interviewed so far? <laughs> um, I'm very nervous. I'm, I'm, each time I speak publicly, it gets a little bit easier. Um, but I definitely, I'm an introvert. It's not in my nature to, um, right. to talk about myself or promote myself. So this has been, this has been a learning experience. I was passing out flyers yesterday on Baker Street and I just felt so awkward just giving people a flyer with my face on it. But again, this is all because I want to be of service. I want to work for my community. I want to um, help to make this city the beautiful, thriving community that I know it can be. Thank you for listening. My name is Yael Feiner and this was Ainsley Hastings. Next, we're going to talk with Glenn Sutherland. There needs to be a balance between respecting the environment and sustainably growing and maintaining and managing the lands that we have. And we have to balance that with jobs. There are many, many jobs in a community that are reliant to whatever the resource is. And if that specific resource, whether it's timber or coal or whatever it may be, if it's being extracted responsibly, and it's being extracted with the best practices worldwide, and it's very efficient, I think that has to be weighed against you just stopping it or not doing it. Please subscribe to this podcast and listen to the other candidates. See you next time.